Good morning, everybody. It's Richard Bovesan here until midday today. There's Rihanna, and only girl in the world. So a special programme today. Today's all about awareness of prostate cancer. So I interviewed Chris Brown, who's a friend of mine from dancing, and we spoke about prostate cancer for about an hour or so. We've got all those links coming up today for you as well. So uh, if you've got any questions about prostate cancer, then please do email in and we'll put them to Chris. He's hopefully going to be live later on as well. So email in at studio at radiobath.com. Or as always, if you have any music requests, then do feel free to chuck those out as well. So Chris's interview is coming up fairly shortly. Say so studio at radiobath.com if you've got anything you want to chat about or any music requests at all. Here's a bit of Puff Danny. I'll be missing you. Seems like yesterday we used to rock the show. I laced the track, you locked So welcome along. It's Richard Bovesan here on Radio Bath until midday today. Now, today we're going to be raising awareness of prostate cancer. So on a story to tell, we've got Chris Brown, who's coming in to chat to us. He's someone I know personally, and he's going to tell us all about his story and hopefully educate men about prostate cancer as well. So first question, Chris, is good morning. And how are you? Oh, good morning. I'm doing very well. Thank you. You're good, good. You're looking lovely in your headphones. Chris is on Zoom today, <laughs> so he's... Uh, got his headphones and microphone on as well which is really really nice so we're on about prostate cancer now for most men we don't talk about this type of thing do we no not often no so how how did you feel going through your story i'd love to know kind of how you found out about it and what happened to yourself then well at, at the start i was completely oblivious to prostate cancer i, I didn't know anything about it and uh my first issues were, weren't were even prostate cancer or weren't labelled as prostate cancer. Um, and this started back in August 21, it was, and um, found that I was getting lots of groin pain, okay. which was quite worrying. And uh, that went on for a couple of weeks. So I thought, oh, I haven't pulled a muscle. It's something else. And went along to the doctor and... Um, they did some tests, the one with the uh, the DRE, as they call it, the, the, the finger up the bottom. I was going to say, we're going to discuss all of what the different tests are later. But yeah, <laughs> DRE is a lovely way to describe it. It is, isn't it? It is a fantastic way. I'm trying to remind myself what it actually stands for. Digital rectal examination. Yeah. Sounds so nice. <laughs> but the finger up the bottom. Yep, they did that and took a urine test. And they said, they tested that straight away and said, oh, you've got a bit of blood in the urine, nothing too much to worry about. Come back in a couple of weeks and we'll test it again. But the DRE was fine. Okay. Um, so I went back in a couple of weeks and they tested the urine again and there was still blood present. So they said, okay, if you come back one more time, we'll try again. If it's still got blood in the urine, then you'll have to go off to see a urologist. Um so I went back and they did the urine test again and it came back clear. Um, but the, the pains were still there and that was like eight eight weeks after the initial visit to the doctor. Okay. And so they said, we'll, we'll refer you to a urologist anyway just to get everything checked out. So 
I visited the urologist. He he did the DRE again, <laughs> like primary test, and uh, he did he did a urine check as well, and that came back negative. So uh, he said, oh, "I think you probably got prostatitis," um, which I knew nothing about. So he explained, "Well, this is something that we haven't got a cure for. Um, it's a pain that can flare up in effect uh, about." 10, up to 10% of the people at some point in their lives. It's pain that can come and go, uh, can last for months or weeks, um, and it can just disappear suddenly and then reappear again some point later on in your life. So that was all a bit, a lot to take in at the time, thinking, oh, this is quite uncomfortable. I don't want to carry on like this. You know, I was kind of hoping for a cure. So uh, went away and just live, live my life normally. And then the pain kind of subsided over time. And then it got to May. And I went camping again with, with Susan over the weekend. And on the way back, I was just in an awful lot of pain in the car driving, driving back home. And she said, right, that's it. Go and see a doctor. So I went, went during that week to see the doctor. And uh, he said, oh, it sounds like your prostatitis is flaring up again. You know, that's, that's something that can happen. Um, but we'll do, do a DRE just to uh, check. <laughs> Yet another DRE. Another one, yes. Uh, up on the table you go, and uh, up goes the finger. So um, it's a very quick check, and doesn't take long. And he said, oh, actually, I can feel a lump. Okay. And at that point, you just go, oh, God. So what, how did you what? feel when he said to you, I can feel a lump? That's a, it's a horrible feeling. Kind of go all cold all over. It's just like, this is like my worst, worst fear with all, all of the, what's been going on. Yeah. Because you kind of think, that's it, probably cancer if you've got a lump on prostate. And he said, you know, don't worry about it. We'll refer you back to your urologist. Um. So I went to see him a few days later. And, of course, what happens? DRE again. <laughs> and this time he said, oh, yeah, I can I can feel what the doctors felt. Um, I don't think it's anything to worry about. But uh, because your last PSA was a bit higher than we expected, um, we'll have to send you for uh, an MRI just to have a look. Okay. So they did the MRI scan and they could see there was a lump on the right-hand side of my prostate. Um, and then there was a saying, right, so we, we found the lump in, in your prostate. Now the next test is to go for a biopsy. And the, the go in for like day surgery, you get knocked out and they do the, the uh, biopsy. And then a couple of weeks later, you find out the result. And that, that result must be was... a difficult long two weeks then. Yes. Two weeks having been knocked out and you're waiting for this test. And it's like, you know, which way am I going to go? Is it this way, cancer free or this way? Or what are we going to do now? So that must have been yeah. a difficult time as well. It was, yes. And uh, you, you're kind of on edge all the time, just wondering what's going to happen. 
and you kind of think to yourself well if it's not the worst what else could it be you know is it a cyst or something else in the prostate yeah. that's just giving the same kind of symptoms as prostate cancer so you kind of hope for the best but kind of prepare yourself for the worst absolutely mm. so then you got the news i did yes i was uh, went in he's all quite pleasant going in and welcoming i was there with susan and we sat down and he's like how you doing today and, oh good good and he says i hate to tell you but you've got cancer and it was quite blunt like that and um he then says now you now you've got a choice to make you've got to uh, decide how we're going to treat it yeah um and there's various options and you kind of when you go in there and they say oh we're gonna you've got cancer you know you kind of expect them to have the answers as to how they're going to treat you not you having to decide for yourself in some ways as to which path to go down next um so he he said the they give you a, what they call a gleason score yeah, we're going to cover all of these things in detail. Today is all about education for everybody. Yes. So hearing Chris's story right now, so for anyone that's thinking, well, I don't know what some of these terms are, we're going to cover all of these different things later, what the different treatments are, symptoms as well, a little bit later. And as always, I'm going to state this many, many times today, neither myself or Chris are doctors in any way. Well, certainly not, no. <laughs> so if you have any queries whatsoever, then please, please, please go and see your GP. Today is all about education and raising awareness. But uh, please carry on, Chris. When he gave you different options. Yes. So he said your Gleason score is a uh, four plus three. Um, so that's kind of restricts the options that you have and, and because of your age as well. Because um, I was 53 at the time. He said, we can't do watchful waiting. There's no point doing that. The... Um, the cancer's what's classed as an intermediate cancer, risk-wise. Um, if it had been like a, a Gleason score of five, say, then that they might do watchful waiting and just keep an eye on your PSA score and test it routinely. Yeah. Um, so you said watchful waiting, cross that off the list. Um, I'm a surgeon. I'll, you know, you I'd recommend going down the surgery route. And he explained the surgery. He said the other options are radiotherapy. And he kind of explained that that requires going back to the hospital like every day for Monday to Friday for like four weeks. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't really face doing that. And the other option was HIFU, which is ultrasound. Um, but again, because on my Gleason score, he didn't think that was uh, a, necessarily a good option, but it was an option. Um, and he explained all the various side effects of each treatment in turn. He said, right, you've got a few days. You can come back next week and uh, we'll discuss what you d decide to do. You didn't have to decide right there and then. No, then. no. Because that must have been like you're there those words that are running in your head is I have cancer. 
And that's what's running in your head over and over again, no doubt. And then all of a sudden it's like, and now I need to decide what to do. That's a really tough moment to be in. So at least they did give you some time. Yes. And uh, they give you all the paperwork so you can read up on all the different options and and make your mind up for yourself. And uh, the consultant was very good. He said, um, here's my mobile number. If you've got any urgent questions, give me a call. Um, but I, I didn't didn't call him. I just read up on everything as much as I could during that week, and and talked to some friends and about it, and and decided that uh, surgery would be the the best option for me. Okay. Um, How did so, the surgery go? Pardon? How did the surgery go? The surgery went very well. It was um, done on the NHS and in uh, Bath RUH. I got treated very well there. You go in one day and spend a lot of the morning sitting around waiting, and then in the afternoon you you're knocked out and then come come to later in the in the hospital with um, the the catheter bag attached. The wonderful world of the catheter bag. How, <laughs> yes. how is that? Because a lot of people will have had that, but a lot of people won't. So how is a catheter bag? It, it's a bit of a shock because um, when they describe it to you, they say, oh, it's a fin tube. And uh, when you look down, you go, that's not a fin tube. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's very awkward moving around with it. Um, is uh, They kind of say, as part of the recovery, to drink lots of fluids, just to flush everything through. Um and to uh, try and get up and walk around once once you're comfortable. So I, I drank absolute loads yeah. that day, and uh, managed to get up and have a little walk around the room. And uh, during the night, the um, I was connected to uh, a bag at the side of the bed, and that was filling up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I had to keep calling the nurse in to come and empty it, right? Because um, they measure how much, how many fluids are actually going through you, and to check the colour of it and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. So that that was a bit of an experience. And then um, the following day, by about midday, they're talking about you going home. So right. it's all very quick. And I suppose the question that people will be thinking to themselves right now is. Uh, how are you now? I'm very well now. Yes, it's. It took. A, I had a couple of months off work after the operation, and then um, during that time, I got stronger and stronger. Like every day, I feel myself um, not getting quite so tired and able to walk a bit further each day. And then by December, I was pretty much doing um, everything that I could do before. And, and then this, um, this is December of last year, isn't it? It is, yeah. And then a few couple of months ago, I uh, managed to get back on the bicycle and have a have a good bike ride. So that was something I didn't think I'd be able to do during the prostatitis times. <laughs> no, that must have been very uncomfortable. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. bike saddles at the best of times are uncomfortable. I still don't quite understand why they make bike saddles so uncomfortable. No. Um, <laughs> but with any problems down there, then that's going to make it even worse, isn't it? It is. I, I managed, uh, I did have a go um, with when before the, op- this was before the operation and everything, got on the bike, said, I'm going to try and go for a bike ride. I got down the bottom of the road, which is probably about 50 meters. And then that was it. I just couldn't face it anymore. I had to come back home again. And I I suppose in all of this, telling the family must have been one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Once I had the, during the initial treatment, uh, the investigations, um, son Alex was about to get married. So I didn't want to kind of drop the bombshell on him at that time so i waited until kind of after the honeymoon period um to mention it to my daughter and to alex and mason and that um you know i was going through investigations and that they'd found a lump and then uh, when we did get the result back it was uh, absolutely horrible that was one of the hardest things of the whole process was to phone them up and tell them I had cancer. Yeah. Um, I had to go. I decided to go up to St. Albans to see my dad to tell him because he's quite elderly and uh, broke it to him. And I knew he'd take it badly because my my brother at the time was dealing with cancer as well and he wasn't very well. Right. Um, So, yeah, it was all a bit of a shock to him because no one in our family had ever had cancer before. Yeah. Yeah, so no history of it at all. I suppose you've then got the other side of it, that you're coming out to the other side. So are you cancer-free now? Is that how it's described, or a remission? Or... Um, yeah, I don't know what the official term is. I'd say I was cancer-free because I've had lots of PSA tests, and I will continue to have PSA tests for a uh, number of years just yeah. to make sure it, nothing's come back at all. And I'm guessing now you're having the support of your family was incredibly important throughout all of this. Absolutely. Yes. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah everybody, you know, we all, all need to surround ourselves with people, but I think the hardest thing is telling them, but it would have been worse not to tell them, I think. So uh, from their perspective, they would have wanted to know, and then they can support you. Indeed. Yeah. Um, Chris, your story is amazing. It's it's not an unusual story, is it? So we're going to go through, we're going to have a little break for the adverts and some music. When we come back, we're going to talk about the symptoms and actually a little bit more about facts about prostate cancer and how people can look out for it. So uh, we'll be right back. Bath and West Wiltshire's Radio Bath. So welcome back. It's Richard Bovesen here until midday today. Uh, we're here with Chris Brown and we're raising awareness of prostate cancer. So we're going to talk now about some of the symptoms. But before we do that, I'm going to give some official descriptions of what some terms are. So first of all, the official description of the prostate itself. So the prostate is a gland. It is usually the size and shape of a walnut and grows bigger as you get older. It sits underneath the bladder and surrounds you the urethra which is the tube that carries urine out of the body. The prostate's main job is to help make semen the fluid that carries sperm. So that's the prostate, Chris. How many people, when you said prostate cancer, looked blank at you and went, where's the prostate? <laughs> most people, most actually. People. Yeah, most people I've spoken to say, but what, what is it and what does it do? Oh, there you go. Yeah. I must say, I'm, so I'm nearly 50 and 
I haven't looked at this in as great a detail as I probably should have, if I'm honest with you. So I knew where the prostate was, but probably that's about it. Yeah, I think that's most people's understanding. Yeah. So we're going to go on now to what is the official description of prostate cancer itself. So normally the growth of all cells is carefully controlled in the body. As cells grow old and die, new cells take their place. Cancer can develop when cells start to grow in an uncontrolled way. If this happens in your prostate, you have prostate cancer. So that's the official stuff from the NHS website. And again, I'll mention this many, many times. If you have any symptoms or any concerns whatsoever, all we're doing today is simply raising awareness. Please, please, please go and see your GP. Now, we're going to run through a list of what the classic symptoms of prostate cancer were, or are, I should say. And Chris, I'm going to ask you how many of these that you had okay i'm really thankful today chris for being, being very honest and open on the radio you know we know you in the dancing world i know chris from dancing and uh yeah i think it's incredibly brave that you're coming on today and we're going to talk about all these things in a really open way so thank you very much for that so first of all here's symptom number one needing to pee more frequently often during the night did you have that one we're going to play prostate cancer bingo <laughs> okay no i didn't didn't have that one okay no. okay and remember at all times this is someone that had prostate cancer okay so needing to rush to the toilets no didn't, didn't have, have that. that one either okay difficulty in starting to pee so hesitancy certainly not nope so <laughs> no. not out of three so far <laughs> right straining or taking a long time while peeing no no nope. didn't, okay. didn't have that one either not to four weak <laughs> flow no not that one either okay <laughs> feeling that your bladder has not emptied fully no, didn't have that no. one either. So not out of six so far. <laughs> now, we mentioned this one earlier, blood in the urine or blood in semen. Uh, so I had detected by the doctor at the start of all this was the blood in the urine. Um, but that's that was it. That disappeared during the diagnosis, original diagnosis. And that um, disappeared. Yeah, so just, you did have that one, but then it went away. That's right, yes. Okay. And then the last one, a new onset of erectile dysfunction. No. Didn't have that either. So this is someone, so Chris is someone that had prostate cancer, and these are all the classic signs of prostate cancer, just to show how sometimes it's really difficult to diagnose having prostate cancer. Yes. So, and, and with that blood in the urine one, it's not something you can see. Okay. It's something that they detect from a, a sample. So it's not that you're looking down and then all of a sudden it's red. No, it's okay. like they, they stick a bit of test paper in in a sample and they pull it out and judge the colour that it's turned against a, a a chart and say, oh, actually, you've got some, some blood in there. Yeah. Yeah. So quite difficult to tell if you've got prostate cancer from the classic symptoms. So I suppose, you know, you had the pain in the groin for one, which isn't even part of these classic symptoms down there and you had a problem in your head and you're like something's not quite right and therefore you went to the doctor that's right yeah i think that's a really good thing to do so so again what i'd say i've mentioned this many times if you do feel like you have any problems then please 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 go and see your doctor now we're going to go through a few of the jargon bits as well here so the psa test um, I'm going to put them down here. The PSA test is a blood test to help detect prostate cancer, but it's not perfect and will not find all prostate cancers. 
So how accurate do you feel your prostate, your PSA test was? Well, I had one done in September 21, and that was okay. That was fine. But in the, the following May, it had gone up over five, well, it gone to about 5.9. Okay. So we've got different levels of where the PSA test is, isn't it? And it That's can right. go, I think it goes down to about three, and then it goes up much, much higher after that as well. So 5.9 was reasonably high, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, just sli- slightly raised above normal. Okay. And what did you feel when you kind of had that test come back and it's slightly raised? Um, I didn't see it until I got to the consultant and he, he'd had the um, the number come in. So he, he knew when I went to see the consultant um, what the re- result was. And he said, oh, it's slightly raised. But I didn't know what it meant by saying, oh, it's 5.9. It was just a, just a figure in my head, you know, yeah. that didn't mean anything. And also the PSA tests, as I say, it's not accurate and it's not going to find all prostate cancers, but it can also be because of other things. So it could be an enlarged prostate. And as men get older, your prostate naturally gets bigger anyway. Okay. And again, I'm giving this, this is research that I've done. So it naturally becomes larger anyway. Okay. It could be as you had prostatitis. I'll say that cleverly in my next <laughs> in my next slide, or a UTI, urinary tract infection as well. These all these things can raise your PSA levels as well. So it's not a perfect test, but it's a test that doesn't hurt, does it? No, it's a simple blood test. And again, did you just go to your doctor and say, "I'd like a PSA test"? And if you did, how did they respond to that? Um, no, it was the the doctor decided to take one as a result of me going to see him with the, with the pains. Okay. Um, so I didn't go down the route of, oh, please, can I get a PSA test? Yeah. Um, but now, as I'm going through the like the cancer journey, so to speak, um, I'm getting them very regularly. So straight after the operation, it's like every, I think it was like every few weeks. Okay. And then that becomes quarterly for a number of, for about a year and then it turns into like six monthly for eight years or something like that and your levels now i'm guessing are much lower than they were they're undetectable okay so it's less than 0.1 okay so it's gone from 5.9 down to almost undetectable that's right yeah okay so something else you had to go through we mentioned it many times in our first (laughs) was the dre the digital rectal examination indeed a beautiful thing so i'll i'll read out the official definition of it um a dre is done by inserting a gloved lubricated finger into your bottom a dre on its own is not enough to detect cancer yes it's a very quick test um it's very surprising the first time you get it done when you just walk into a doctor's office and and like up on the table um lift your knees up a bit higher and then up it goes (laughs) up it goes i I have had one myself uh, not for prostate cancer i had a slip disc in my back and uh and they did re on me for that and i'm still to this day uncertain as to why i'm I'm sure they had their reasons for doing it but uh but yeah You'd like to think so yes i'm sure it was perfectly fine so um you mentioned about an mri as well so the MRI scan can can be done as well. Yes. Yeah, so 
Um, I read a story recently that they're going to try and do very quick MRIs as part of the detection process, like five-minute MRIs in the back of a van. Right. Um, but currently, the the process was that after the initial kind of checks by the consultant, he said to go for an MRI prior to going for the biopsy. Yeah. And the, the MRI they used to work out the size of the tumour and its location. And then from that, they can decide um, where to do the biopsy to get the results. Okay. And again, they've got two different systems here. I believe it's the Likert or the Pyrant system. And these are different ratings that you could have on this as well. We'll come on to the Gleason score shortly as well. Um, so the Likert score ranges between one to four. One, it's highly unlikely you have prostate cancer. Four, it's likely you have prostate cancer. So they can kind of gauge that from the, the MRI as well and then we move on to the biopsy so we're kind of going through the different layers here aren't we so we're starting off with kind of having a psa test then a dre and then we have the mri and then it goes into a biopsy so the biopsy is where they take samples of your tissue from your prostate as well um they can do it either as a guided one or a transperine transperineal biopsy as well so different ways they can do that i'm guessing that's fun <laughs> Yeah, I was knocked out for that one. So, You're knocked uh, out for that one. Fair enough. It was a, a transperineal one that uh, I had. Um, they took nearly 30 samples. So uh, I don't know if the needle goes in and out 30 times. but um, There are some things it's best not to know, I would suggest. Indeed, yes. Um, but yeah, you get knocked out for that one. <laughs> then you mentioned HIFU earlier. So again, I'll just read out the official diagnosis or description of this. HIFU is a treatment that uses high-frequency sound waves. You have HIFU from a machine. The machine gives off a sound wave, which delivers a strong beam to the cancer. This heats up, heats up and destroys the prostate cancer cells. That's HIFU as well. So that's a different way of doing it. And then we have the Gleason score. Now, again, there's loads of different ways in which you kind of, the bits get added up, aren't there? But kind of less than six, I believe is okay. More than six up to 10. That's when they start to get quite worried about it. Is that kind of how you saw it? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Then um, if it had if been a three plus three, they give two scores like the, uh, the most prevalent um, tissue sample from the cancer is the first score and then the second score is uh, what else they find so okay. um, my my score was a four plus three um, the four being an intermediate risk and a three being a, um I don't know what the official term is, <laughs> moderate or something moderate. like that. <laughs> yeah. A moderate risk, but it got you to seven, and therefore they were. Yes, that's when the treatments, which we'll talk about shortly, kind of it changed what some of the treatments were that you could have had done. So uh, yes, it made um, the time scale that I had to make a decision shorter. Okay. Um, I'm just very quickly going to go back. I, I did make an error earlier when I said, said about the Likert score being between one and four. It's actually between one and five. So one to five and five, it's very likely you have prostate cancer. Just wanted to tidy that up somewhat. Okay, so these are kind of the tests that take place for people to have um, to see if you've got prostate cancer. And it's 
I, my understanding is once you get down this road, it's quite a short period of time they can do this on. They kind of bump you up at the list as such, and it's quite a quick process. It was a quick process for myself. I found out um, like in the beginning of September, and by the, by the end of September, I was I was in the hospital having the operation. Right. So it really is quite quick as well at that point, isn't it? it well, is, we're going to have yeah. another little break for, for music. Uh, when we come back, we're going to start talking about what some of the common myths are about prostate cancer. So we'll be back right after this. I know it's a bad idea, but how can I help myself? Somebody messaged in saying, as we're in the middle of our prostate cancer special, did I play Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go because of going to the toilet during the night? No. <laughs> I don't even think I can be that, that quite cheesy, but you never know. But we have had a message in, so... Uh, you know, the whole point of doing this show today is to get people talking about prostate cancer, especially men, because men generally don't talk about this type of thing. And early diagnosis can have a massive impact. So Yvonne has messaged in saying, and they've given me permission to say this, by the way, saying that Arthur's prostate cancer, this is her, this is her husband, his first PSA was 626. It was diagnosed just as COVID kicked in. The consultant wasn't able to arrange chemo, so went for daily tablets and quarterly injections, both aimed at reducing testosterone. Also had a brief course of radiotherapy therapy five sessions at 20 minutes a time current psa is stabilized at 0.5 initial scans revealed the cancer had spread to bones on one side of the body but again all seems well now only drawback is reduced control of bladder but there are ways around that and she also said the first symptoms were blood in the urine and inability to pee freely so thank you everyone for sharing that and to arthur as well and again we just want people to talk about it it's not a pleasant subject but it's one of those things that you know a bit like breast cancer we just need to talk about these things especially as men and kind of get this out into the open and don't be afraid to talk about it and don't be afraid to get checked out so thank you to that uh, we've got more from chris coming up fairly shortly first of all though here's tears of fears everybody wants to rule the world richard Bowson here until midday today burning low only miss the sun when it starts to snow only know you love her when you let her go Right, we're back. It's Richard Bobson here until midday today with Chris Brown. We're raising awareness of prostate cancer. And as I'm saying on every link now, don't forget, if you do have any symptoms or any problems whatsoever, please do go and see your doctor. We are simply having a chat about it as two chaps. Right. So we're going to do common myths now. So these are things that people worry about and are out in the ordinary world. And people think these must be true. OK, so these are all myths. Are you ready, Chris? We're going to ask you what your, what your thoughts ready. are. You're ready. Right. Myth number one. There's no need to have a PSA test if I don't have any symptoms of prostate cancer. What's your thoughts? My thoughts are that you, anyone, especially over 50, should have a PSA test done. 
Um, there's quite a lot of areas now in the country where they do routine PSA testing, but unfortunately, Wiltshire's not one of them. Is it not? It's Maybe we not... should raise the petition for that. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's down to the individuals to go and see a doctor to uh, get themselves checked out. And I know there's been a few people that have um, gone to their doctors and their doctor said you don't need to have one as well, which must be quite difficult. It must be at that point. Um, but, I mean, I, I suppose they could go and ask the doctor for a DRE test as a minimum. It's quick, it's cheap. They don't. It's not going to cost them anything other than the five-minute appointment you're in there for. And the lubrication. And indeed. Um, <laughs> uh, myth number two, a high PSA level means I have prostate cancer. Now, we spoke about this earlier. It could be for lots of different reasons, couldn't it, Chris? It can be. I mean, it could be like you said, a UTI or a, um, just your prostate getting big with age. Um, yeah, so don't take too much in from the PSA score, but it's worth knowing. Absolutely. Uh, myth number three, it's important to treat prostate cancer as soon as possible. I suppose it depends on what stage you're at, really, doesn't it? It does. Um, so once they know your Gleason score, they can decide what treatment's best for you. Um, and it depends on your your age and uh, what what score it is. So if, if you're in your 80s and you have a, a low Gleason score, then it's most likely not going to make any difference to you carrying on as normal and, and just getting your PSA checked. Um, but if you're younger and you've got a higher Gleason score, then they want to treat you straight away. Fair enough. Uh, only old men get prostate cancer. Now, I'm going to read a little bit here that says it's not true. Prostate cancer mainly affects men over 50, but your risk does increase as you get older. The average age to be diagnosed with prostate cancer is between 65 to 69. If you're under 50, your risk is very low. It's still possible to be diagnosed with prostate cancer in your 40s, but it is uncommon. Remind us, Chris, how old you were when you were diagnosed with prostate cancer? I was 53. 53, so not yes. old in any way, shape, or form. No. And uh, did you think it was that? What, at, at that time? At that time, um, yeah. No, I didn't. Um, until they actually say those words, then yeah. um, you don't like to think about it too much. I mean, when, when they said you have a lump, then you kind of think, oh, that, that don't sound good. Um, and the kind of thought goes through your head. But until you know 100%, um, up until that point, the consultant had been saying, nothing to worry about. Don't worry. It could be this, could be that. Um, we'll just do one more test and, and find out and go down that road. But until you get this, the uh, result back from the biopsy, you don't know for sure. And then you hear that, have that bombshell, they drop it on you, or you've got cancer. Yeah, indeed. Just like that. Right. You, myth number five, you don't die of prostate cancer, you die with it. Now, I'm going to give a statistic here, which I didn't know myself until I started doing this. So each year, 11,000 men die of prostate cancer. In fact, and this surprised me, in fact, more men now die of prostate cancer than women die of breast cancer. So that's quite amazing. However, it does go on to clarify that in that um, because of the aging population, a lot of men will die with prostate cancer naturally anyway. So I think that's kind of where it's yes. going there. 
Yeah, I think there's like 52,000 new cases detected every year. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a lifetime, I think the stat is uh, one in eight men in the UK will be diagnosed at some point in their life as having prostate cancer. And that's a hell of a lot of people. It is, yes. That really is. So it's something we all need to be aware of and, uh, yeah, really important. Myth number six, then, prostate cancer treatment always causes impotence. Chris? That, that's not necessarily true. Um, no, it's, it's got down here. It depend, a lot of it depends on your surgeon as well, how skilled they are. Uh, fortunately, I had a good surgeon. There you go. So, yeah, make sure you get a good surgeon, I think, is really important on that. Uh, number seven, prostate cancer treatment always causes incontinence. We're going right down the lovely lines here, yeah. aren't we? But let's get well, out in the open. Again, I had a good surgeon. Um, as soon as Cafeta came out, I didn't have any problems at all with continence. Okay. Um, they, they they kind of get you to go to the toilet after taking the catheter out um, a couple of times uh, to check your flow rate and everything like that while you're in the hospital. Um, but I, I was fine immediately. Um, I had done some um, pelvic floor exercises in the, the short lead up to the operation. So I don't know if that helped, but uh, I didn't have any problems. Fantastic. And then myth number eight. I love this one. You'll insult your doctor if you get a second opinion. Now, you must have had quite a few opinions over your job. <laughs> I did, yes. Um, mainly from the, uh, I saw, uh, how many, four different doctors in, in total, I think, along my journey. The initial one for the prostatitis that sent me to the consultant, then going back again to another doctor who then sent me back to the same consultant who in turn ended up doing the operation on me. Amazing. I love this little phrase. Again, these are all taken from official um, website, official cancer websites. So it says you should feel free to ask for second opinion about everything from your diagnosis to your treatment options. Don't sacrifice your own well-being for fear of hurting your doctor's feelings. <laughs> Indeed. I think that's really important because people go, oh, I don't want to annoy them. But it's your life. It's not their life. Indeed. Insist on getting a PSA test or a, a DRE at the very minimum. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Don't get put off by the receptionist or anything like that. Get get an appointment booked. Well, we're going to have another little break for music. When we come back, we're going to start talking about the different treatments that are available for prostate cancer. So we'll be back after that. So we're back now with Chris Brown and we're talking about prostate cancer today here on Radio Bath. And we're now on to treatments and the different treatments that you can get for if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. So the first one that's on here is something you mentioned earlier, Chris, which was watchful waiting. So was that an option for you? It, it wasn't for me because my Gleason score was too high. Um, but if you've got a Gleason score of six, um, it means that the prostate cancer is very slow growing. Um, so you could go years and years and years without it making any difference to your life. Um, it, watchful waiting is where they uh, just take a PSA test at regular intervals just to keep an eye on your scores. 
Yeah, I think that um, links on with active surveillance as well. So they kind of yes, it's the same, the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so active surveillance is another one where they do the regular PSA tests. Uh, watchful waiting also says here is also recommended if your general health will mean that treatment will be very difficult for you. Again, I'm going to mention on every single link here that if you do have any symptoms or are concerned about this in any way, please go and see your doctor. We are simply having a chat about it today. Um, the next one then is surgically removing the prostate gland. Is, isn't that what you had done, Chris? It is, yes. Okay, so that's surgery surgery yes but it was um definitely the right decision for me um after after the surgery they do pathology on the prostate and they have a look at it in much more detail than they'd get from the biopsy um so they took it apart and i got the results back like a, a week or so later um they said that the cancer was contained within the prostate itself but all the boundaries of the prostate were clear of the cancerous cells okay. so taking out the prostate should have got rid of everything so therefore that's why you feel quite comfortable that it's gone yes indeed which is great news to hear uh radiotherapy again you mentioned it earlier it wasn't for you it wasn't for me um i just felt like the the visits to and from Bath to go and get the radiotherapy for five days a week for four four weeks. Um, I just it just felt very drawn out to me and a, a lot of effort. So uh, I, I decided against that one. But it can be good if it's if it's spread from the prostate, but it hasn't gone too far. I think that's where it's mainly used. I think so. Yes. Okay. I'm going to try the the next one. It's another form of radiotherapy, which is called brachytherapy which is another form of radiation where the dose is delivered inside the prostate gland so uh that's another one that's there as well um hormone therapy we offered that no i think hormone therapy comes in a bit late in the journey um to try and shrink the tumors down before they use radiotherapy yeah so it said uh, it doesn't cure prostate cancer it became can be used to slow the progression of advanced prostate cancer and relieve symptoms mm. so that's where that comes in then we've got terp now i've read this one and i'll be honest with you it made me wince a little bit so terp t-u-r-p stands for transurethal resection of the prostate um so i'm i'm going to read this bit out okay so terp is a procedure that can help relieve pressure from the tube that carries urine from your bladder out of your penis your urethra to treat any problematic symptoms you may have with urination it does not cure the cancer this is the bit that made me squint a little bit mm -hmm. during terp a thin metal wire with a loop at the end is inserted into your urethra urethra and pieces of the prostate are removed Whew. Yeah. breathing deep ouch ouch i'm breathing <laughs> deep on that one uh, this is another one that we mentioned this earlier haifu high intensity focused ultrasounds was that one that you were offered it was um and i think if my gleason score had been a three plus four instead of a four plus three um i may have come come with it but the um the chance of it coming back would have been a constant worry because they don't necessarily hit all the the cancer cells yeah so it's an ultrasound probe and it's inserted into the bottom and releases high frequency sound waves through the wall of the rectum these sound waves kill cancer cells in the prostate gland by heating them to a high temperature i say you weren't confident in that one working for you personally um not me personally i mean i i felt that my my cancer was growing quite quickly because it was 
undetectable in the September, and then um, it, it was the size of a pea in in the May. So um, I, I felt that it, it was developing too quickly to go down that road. We've got two to go. So cryotherapy, uh, it's a method of killing cancer cells by freezing them. Was that one that was offered to yourself? Mm, no, that wasn't offered. Not that one. So the aim is to kill cancer cells while causing as little damage as possible to healthy cells. So that's cryotherapy. And the last one is deciding against treatment, which everybody, of course, is entitled to do. What's your thoughts on that? I think it uh, depends on your age. Um, it certainly wasn't one for me. I, I needed to see a future, so uh, I decided to get it treat, treated straight away. Absolutely, and lots of people might go down that route for reasons of their own. So as you can hear there, there's about 10 different ways in which this can be treated, all with different side effects naturally, all with different risks. And again, as I mentioned many times, we are not doctors. We're simply raising awareness of all of these today. But you can see there's loads of different ways in which it can be treated. And as we've seen with Chris here today, uh, he found he had prostate cancer. He had the surgery option and he's now cancer free, which is a, a fantastic thing to do. So, so Chris, how are you feeling right now about the fact that you've gone through this whole process and today you've been speaking about it to everybody? I'm feeling really positive. Um, hopefully people will listen and and they'll take notice and hopefully get themselves checked um which is the kind of the purpose of today's talk is to try and get that awareness out there um so people know exactly what prostate is what it does and uh, what treatments and are available yeah absolutely no and thank you for your honesty now you don't get away with doing the quick fire round everyone that comes on to the show has to do the quick fire round which is a series of questions it's very high brow as always which is starting off with what's your favorite ice cream but we'll come back to that we can have another little break for music and then we'll come back to that after that with chris brown Right, we're back with Chris now, and it's time for the quick fire round. You've made it this far, Chris. Great. Which is all good. So, uh, so yeah, I know Chris from dancing. So for those that aren't aware, I'm a dance teacher. Chris is one of our fabulous taxi dancers, and uh, he's been very kind today to come on the radio and talk all about prostate cancer and his story. But we're now going to change tact ever so slightly, and we're on to our quick fire round. So the first question, which everybody knows by now, is what is, Chris, your favorite ice cream? Got to be rum and raisin. Rum and raisin? I haven't had rum and raisin yet. Haven't you? No. That's my well, go-to. Your go-to is rum. I, I don't ever think I've had rum and raisin. You're missing out. I'm going to try that. Yeah. I quite fancy some ice cream right now as well. <laughs> rum and raisin, a new one for me. I love it. Right. Are you tidy or messy? Uh, messy. I mess. Just no hesitation whatsoever. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would say sometimes I'm tidy, but Susan would say, no, you're messy. I was going to say, if you'd said you're tidy and then Susan came on and went, <laughs> no, you are not in any way, shape or form. Uh, yeah. Love or hate roller coasters? Love them. Love yes. them. Fantastic. Whereabouts do you go then? Uh, been to Florida a few times to go okay. riding on the roller coasters over there. They're fantastic. Uh, Fort Park, Alton Towers. Which is your favourite ride at Thorpe Park or Alton Towers then? Um, try and think of the names now. Um, 
So Thorn Thorn Park, Park, you've got Saw and you've got uh, oh, the one that goes up and over the top is really, really quick. Re- uh, no, Rita's Alton Towers. Um, do you like the ones that go up and down or the ones that are kind of really quick? I like the quick ones that twist round and round quite okay. a lot and lots of banking turns. Okay. Ah, good one. I, I've said well, it many times. I, I often have to take a travel sickness pill to go to a theme park these days. <laughs> I like think. the ones where your legs dangle down. Yeah. You're, you're sat there and you're flying around. Yeah. Well, they've re- retired Nemesis for now. That's the one, that. Nemesis. That's the one I really it. liked. Yeah. It's been redone. But, uh, right. Do you hang your toilet roll over the top or behind the back? Over the top. Yeah. It's the only way. All right, do you eat your chocolate from the fridge or the cupboard? From the fridge. From the fridge. Why from the <laughs> fridge then? I just don't like it being really soft and gooey. I like like it kind of hard and a bit of a crunch to it when you bite it off. I'd even go as far to say, and I don't want my wife Zoe to know this, I actually don't like chocolate much from the cupboard. Okay, but I'm quite cruel. So I know that Zoe doesn't like chocolate from the fridge. So if we have a chocolate bar, I pop it in the fridge. <laughs> do you hide it in the vegetable tray? <laughs> yeah, I do. And then even if she finds it, if she's going to eat it, she has to wait a while for it to heat up. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. Uh, do you make your bed in the morning? No, never. No. <laughs> Susan's always there when I go to work. So, uh... oh, That's a very good answer, yes. You're, you're first out of bed. Oh, I'm always first out of bed, yes. Fair enough. Uh, what is your favourite breakfast? English. A full English. Okay. And then the classic yeah. Danny Baker question. Are you red or brown sauce? Uh, brown sauce. Bit of brown sauce. Yeah. Uh, Favourite TV programme or film? Can be current or in the past. Um, TV programmes, anything sci-fi really. So like okay. Star Trek is always a favourite. Are you a Star Trek or a Star Wars if you had to choose between? Oh, that's tough. I know. It's like choosing your favourite child. <laughs> I'll probably go Star Trek. There's more of them. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> now, are you more um, older Star Trek or the newer generation ones? Um, the next generation. Um, and, and Picard has been very good. Mm. Fair enough. And it's quite weird, isn't it? If you think back to Star Trek, is that A, they predicted mobile phones because they were all ho- holding their hands and talking into them, and automatic doors as well. Indeed. Yeah. Do you know how they did the automatic doors in that, though? I imagine there was some bloke pulling them from the side <laughs> and going... <laughs> there, was, there was a person behind, literally, with a rope. <laughs> would pull the rope, and then the doors would open. So that's, the, uh, that's automatic doors in Star mm. Trek in the 1960s. There we go. Uh, two questions to go, then, Chris. If you okay. came back in your next life as an animal... Which one would you be and why? It's a tricky one. Dogs have an easy life. They do. But, but quite fancy, perhaps a seagull. Oh, okay. Can, Second can... seagull that I've had. Why a seagull? Is it? Oh, yeah, quite yeah, fancy I... just being by the coast. Okay. E- eating fish and chips and ice cream. Well, it's it's not the answer I was given before. So the answer I was All given right. before when somebody said a seagull is that they said it was so that they could actually fly over people and poop on them. Oh, it's that added bonus as well, I suppose. <laughs> it is indeed. But yeah, that dive bombing in for a fish and chips, which is all good. And your very last question, Chris, and I, I love this question. Still my favourite question. Where is your happy place? Um, happy place out in the countryside walking the dog. 
Oh, that's yeah. lovely, isn't it? It's, yeah. uh, it's a nice place to be out in the countryside. Um, Chris, you've been amazing today. Thank you so much for your honesty and raising awareness of prostate cancer here on Radio Bath. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have indeed. You've been absolutely brilliant. And uh, as I said, all rights throughout this, if anybody does have any symptoms of any sort or concerned, please do go and see your GP and they will hopefully be able to help you in any way, shape or form. If Chris's story has helped in any way, please look on the NHS website. It's got lots of details there all about prostate cancer as well. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. I'll see you again soon.